And I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's good to be together again this morning. I've been blessed already being here this morning, and um, I trust that God will, through His Spirit, strengthen us with a message this morning. I covet your prayers as as I seek to follow the Spirit's leading in uh, this morning's topic. But the topic for this morning is, I titled it, Controlling the Tongue. In our lives, from the time we're born to the time we die, if we are communicating, we are using, we're making noise with our tongue. We are we, uh, we associate with other people. We make our needs known with, by making, by forming words with our tongue. Our tongue is the, is the place where we let other people know what we, what we, what we need, what we think, or what we don't need, and um, vice versa. Turn with me to James chapter 3. I'll be reading the first 12 verses of James chapter 3 to begin with here and then the, the, the last part of the chapter we'll get into a little later. We're going to be looking at some comparisons he makes or he draws here with, with the tongue. James chapter 3 verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is a tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison." Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. In verse 3, he makes the comparison. He's saying how, how there are things in life that we can control. Horses can be controlled by putting a bit in their mouth. And that in itself is, is, is interesting. You know, a horse is a big animal. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of power behind a horse, a big horse. And they can do a lot of good, and they can do a lot of bad. But we put a small thing, we put a bit in a horse's mouth. And when you think of harness racing, where there's horses, many horses, a few dozen horses, pulling a cart at high rates of speeds in, a, in an oval track going very fast, they're controlled by that small piece in their mouth by the driver. It can be dangerous if 
if if a driver loses control of the horse. But they are able to be controlled. Horses can be a good thing. Controlling a horse is a good thing. Horse can be a good thing if it's controlled. Verse four, he talks about ships. Now, if you tra- if you travel up towards Duluth Superior a lot, if you cross the big bridge up there, you can see these large ships, and they're they're a big deal. There's they're they're a big mass of of metal and a lot of cargo in them, a lot of weight, and they're controlled by a very small part by the helm verse 4 yet they are turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth even if they are in a bad storm they are still able to be turned by a very small piece the point is a ship can be controlled and then verse 5 even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth I broke this morning's message up in four, in four sections. The first section is the tongue. And then the second section is, I, I, I gave the, the description of the heart. The third one is the change. And then the fourth one is the result. So we're going to look at the tongue. I think we need to be aware of what the tongue is to us. Of what our, of what our words can do. The, 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 um, the damage and the good that our words can do. And the reason I chose this topic for a subject is because I realized not very long ago my own need to understand what my tongue is. And as I, as I, as I looked into, as I, as I thought about that subject, I under, I, I've come to understand in the past year that Studying for a subject, I learn way more about that subject if I study for a subject, if I study to speak about a subject. So I decided it would be good for me to look at this, at this subject. And those of you that know me better know more how, impor- how, how much I need this. So if you're sitting here this morning and you have no problem with your tongue or you don't feel challenged by your tongue, please listen to myself as I talk to myself and the, the rest of us that, that, um, need to hear about our tongue. Verse 5, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You know, that may not be the most concerning part about this subject. But the, the, the concerning part about this subject is found in verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I think we need to let that soak in a little bit and understand the, the seriousness of what God gave us with our ability to converse with each other. The seriousness of what God gave us when He put in ourselves the, the tongue, the ability to form words to make an impact in the world that we live in. He speaks of a fire in verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. If you think about fires, large fires, my mind went to wildfires, and we're all familiar with, we live in, we've just come through probably the worst time of the year for around here for, for wildfires. And a number of years ago, we had one to the, you had one to the north up here before I lived in the area. A fairly significant fire. And I found, 
I'll share some, some, a story or a, a writing that I found of a fire in 1871. This fire broke out on the same day that the Great Chicago Fire broke out. So it was kind of overshadowed with all the news from the Chicago Fire. But this fire happened in, in northeastern Wisconsin. The Peshtigo Fire occurred around the town of Peshtigo in northeastern Wisconsin on October 8, 1871, the same day that the Great Chicago Fire began. Historically, the Peshtigo Fire has been somewhat overshadowed by the Great Chicago Fire, though the Peshtigo Fire covered a much greater area and had many more fatalities. The Peshtigo Fire burned 1,875 square miles and destroyed 12 communities, killing between 1,200 and 2,500 people. The fire is thought to have been caused by small fires used for land clearing that blew out of control and created a firestorm. One thing I found in reading about this fire, there was a story about a man. Now, you have to understand, try to understand this fire. When it got out of control, it seems like it created, when it says a fire created a firestorm, I think it's literally what it was. It was a large, like you see a thunderstorm rolling in across the, from the west or across the, the country. This is what it was. This was a storm of fire. So it was moving fast and it was doing untold amounts of damage. The story is of a man and it hit some of these small towns at night. So people woke up to Basically, their whole village was a ball of fire. What would you do? You would grab your loved, one, your loved ones, and the first thing you would think to get away from a fire, you'd head for the river, right? So there was this man. He thought, he, he, he grabbed his wife, and he ran for the river to get out of the fires, to get away from being consumed by the fire. When he gets to the river, he understands that he realizes that the, the, the person he was carrying wasn't his wife. And it affected him so severely that he went crazy. He lost his mind. This, was, this whole thing was started by a small, a small fire for a good cause that was doing a good thing. That's the way our words can be. Our tongues can be that way. Many of us, those of us older, probably more than some of the younger ones, but there's, there's many situations in churches that we know of. In my short life of 40 years, there's, I don't keep track, but probably almost untold destruction, if you will, or untold tribulation brought on to church people by their own people. And I think it all starts with a word. My mind had to go to the young man who is now in prison for committing a murder. Came from a Mennonite background. And I wondered, what, why? Why is he there today? Now I understand we all have, we all make our own decisions in life. I'm not excusing that young man. But there, are, there was a situation, there was a time in his life when he was under... He was under the word of the, uh, the word of God. He was he, he he had the privilege. He was given the teaching. He knew what was right and what was wrong. But I had to wonder: Was there something going on, some inconsistency that that young man was subject to from hearing something from people who taught one thing and said another? And it just it um. It's sobering for me to think about. 
the effect that my words can have. So the tongue. The tongue, according to verse 8 in James chapter 3, can no man tame. What chance do we have then if we can't tame the tongue? Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So we can't control the tongue. However, the words that we say are going to follow us to judgment. Every idle word is going to be it's going to there's going to be account given thereof in the day of judgment. Matthew this brings us to the next part, the heart. Matthew chapter 15 verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read parts of parts if not all of that chapter. This is I appreciate Jesus' words when in, in the Bible, and I appreciate that they're written in red, because to me, Jesus was our ultimate example. The reason we're here this morning is because we follow Jesus. We're here because of what Jesus did for us. We follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 15, it starts out in the beginning of the, beginning of the chapter here, and it's, it's a... It's an interaction once again with the Pharisees. Then came Jesus scribes and then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying, "Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread." But he answered and said unto them, "Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death." But ye say, whoever, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Verse 11. It's not what we eat. Jesus was trying to point this out. The Pharisees were the type of individuals, they put a lot of emphasis on how to do things, on, on details of doing things right. It didn't, not so much the motives of their heart, but details of doing things right. The title of this part of the chapter, the first part of this chapter in my Bible is, is, is titled, Jesus Teaches About Inner Purity. And that's, that's what I want to think about this morning, or that's what I want us to think about this morning when, when, we, when we talk about the heart, is that in, what's inside What's in the heart comes out of the mouth in words. Our tongue lets us know what our heart is all about. We can know the we can know our heart by hearing our words. If we hear complaining, isn't that an ungrateful heart? 
If we hear gossiping or putting others down, doesn't that tell us we're self-righteous? If we hear bragging, does that not point out to ourselves, to myself, that I have a proud heart, that I have a pride issue? Manipulating can be avoiding blame or cleverly controlling someone for ulterior motives. And all these things can be a subject in itself. I can't do them all justice this morning. They can all be... The, 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 our, our heart problem with all these things can be uh, their, own, their own topic in of, of itself. False teaching. We have a problem with deception. Exaggerating or lying. We have a problem with dishonesty. If we hear flattery coming out of our mouths, it's often because there's selfishness in our heart. Flattery is telling somebody something for the purpose of serving our own interest. If the heart controls the tongue, should we not focus on the heart? Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, we already went, across, went over this verse, they shall give account thereof in, in the day of judgment. So if it is that serious... If it's that serious, then we need, to, we need to understand where these words, why these words are formed inside us. We need, to, we, we need to pursue a heart condition that produces a Christ-like speech. So we understand the tongue and the, the capabilities that the tongue has. We understand that the heart, our inside condition... The, pure, the pureness of our heart makes the difference in our words. So what do we do with that knowledge? We have that knowledge here. What do we do with that? We can keep going through life the way we've been going. I can, keep, I can understand that I have a problem. And I can understand that the problem comes with not caring enough about how I think about things or deciding that a certain way to think about something is the right way to think about when it isn't the wrong way. What do I do with that? That brings us to the third part. And that is the change. Turn with me to, chap- to the book of Luke, chapter 13. I'm going to read three verses in chapter 13. verses, Actually, four verses. Verses 6 through 9 in Luke, chapter 13. Luke, chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So, there was a parable here of an unfruitful tree. And the dresser of the vineyard was told to get rid of this tree. It's no good. But the guy taking care of it was like, give me another chance for this. I'll dig around it and I'll put some fertilizer down here. And if it still doesn't respond, then we can take it out. 
Except they don't use fertilizer here. I kind of like their description. They say dung it, the word that we use into that we know in today's world as manure. Now, as a farm boy, I grew up in cow country, and it was you could smell when it was spring of the year, and manure was being spread on the field. It's not a pleasant thing. So the idea was, if we move up north, you know, the, the thought was that well, there's not so many cows up there. We'll probably get away from that nasty smell. Well, we happened to move to the small farming community that we live in today. And just a few weeks ago, once again, as the farmers were doing their thing, we had the smell, the manure smell. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Change sometimes for the better isn't pleasant. You know, God can be digging around us and He might put some un, some, some nasty smelling stuff around us to try to get us to do better. It's not necessarily going to be a pleasant thing. But He gives us a, ch- a second chance. That's the awesome thing about God. He gives, he gives us a second chance. He says, you guys might not be producing much fruit here, but we're going to dig around you and we're going we're to give you another chance. Now we go to James, the last part of the chapter of James chapter, chapter 3. I'm going to read the last verses from verse 13 through 18. But I want you to take notice of what verse 17 says. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Verse 17. Notice the words pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Now, some of the things I think that I think of myself, some of the, some of the problems I have with, with my own words are in that list that I read over, the conditions of the heart. The complaining, the gossiping, the bragging, the manipulating, the false teaching, the exaggerating, or flattery. And they are exact opposite of what we find in James chapter 17. We understand, you know, we, we understand some of those things. We would never, you know, we would never do that. Now, we might complain once in a while, but, you know, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do false teaching or, or anything like that so much. We might do flattery. I've done flattery already for my own good. You don't find those in James chapter 3.17. The change that we need to have. After the change, we need to have these things. We need to have that kind of wisdom in our hearts so that our words mirror that. Now, you might be asking yourselves... But really, that's kind of boring. We like to talk. We like to talk about people. We like to talk about people that aren't like us. We like to talk about people that do stuff we wouldn't do. It's just, I don't know, it's just something we have in common with someone else. We get together, we talk about other people. How do you deal with the fact that some of our brothers and sisters are fallen sinners, human beings, 
Are we really expected not to talk about other people's actions that appear foolish or silly to us because they're not something we would do? How about when a brother legitimately commits sin? How about when I am being taken advantage of whether it seems like it or whether it's really that way? How do I change in those situations? I had to think of a young man within the last five or six years when we were living, before we moved up here, living down Spencer. Their family started coming to our church and I knew they came from a tumultuous setting. There was a lot of, there would have been a lot of things for him to talk about. And he had a younger brother, and we were together right over the time they were, they, they were making the switch to our congregation. And there, there was an opportunity, the young, the, the, there was an opportunity for him to legitimately, we would say, gossip about his prior situation. And I'll never forget the approach he took. It wasn't, it was not to go there. And it came out, in learning to know him, it came out in his life. I'll never forget that about him. I would probably forget, I would probably totally forget about it. If he, if he took the opportunity to gossip and talk, I would probably forget about that. Because that's common, that's normal, that's what we do. But I won't forget. You don't forget when you see that. You know what it is. And I remember it getting my attention and being like, Convicted because of my own, of, of my own, the, the, the approach that I take to situations like that. The fourth and final subject in this topic is the result. So, what is the result? What, what should the result be of having our words and our, our heart changed? What should our words be like? Think of the example of Jesus. And I think especially of this, of when we justify our words, our negative words, by something, by, by a, um, a, legitimately, a legitimate situation in which we are being taken advantage of. Think about Jesus. A crown of thorns, the beating down of that crown of thorns on top of his head with a reed, the mockery, the crucifixion, the way he died, And then he gave his life. They didn't take it, he gave it. That's our example. And Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18 deals with how how we should deal with our brethren. With someone that we have a legitimate concern. Because let's face it, we are part of the human race who God has given a choice and there are going to be bad decisions made. There are going to be times when a brother does have does something that isn't right. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. That's straight from the mouth of Jesus, the way we have it in our Bibles today. 
that's how you that's how you um, you address a problem. It doesn't say go talk to three people first, and we'll see what we can do, and, and we'll see what we can come up with, what the best idea is to come. It just says go talk to him. You'll probably gain a brother. Luke chapter six, verse forty-one and forty-two. Don't have to turn to that. Luke chapter six, verse forty-one. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out that mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Those were also words of Jesus. There's a lot of advice in the red in the red words in the scripture, the words that Jesus taught us of how to get along and the words and, and, and how to speak and how to how to use our tongue. And then back to Matthew chapter eighteen, the disciples were wondering about forgiveness. So the repeat offender. Well so there's a repeat offender, somebody that doesn't care, doesn't change, they keep taking advantage of you. And I think we're all familiar with that. Jesus, Jesus was asked, so it's, what's the right number? Seven times the right number? And he was like, 70 times seven. Basically, you keep forgiving him. You, do, you don't, there's not a time for not forgiving your brother. And the last verse, the verse I'd like to leave you with this morning, is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 31. We may have grown up in homes where a lot of talking has taken place. A lot of talking about people has taken place. It's the easy way to go. It's the human way to talk to, to go. Talk about people. Verse 31 of chapter 6. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. You know, if we wouldn't have any teaching, any other teaching about what to say, what not to say, that verse is really all we need. Because we all know how we would like to be treated. We all know how, we, how much we want other people to talk about our own legitimate shortcomings. Even if there are legitimate shortcomings, we know how much we want people to talk about them. I have a story I'm going to try. I couldn't find, I couldn't find it when I needed it. But I'll say, I'll give it as I remember it. It was, a, it was a man telling of a time, he was speaking about being kind, about using words to be kind. He was telling of a time when he was younger, high schooler, I think, and he would go to the gym with his friends and they would play basketball or they would they'd play their games there. And there was, he noticed one day there was this young, this boy that came in and he wouldn't say anything. This boy wouldn't say anything. And he approached him and he said, it's good to see you today. And the boy didn't say anything. And every day, for a long time, for a while, for a period of time anyway, this boy would come to the gym to, to hang out with the guys at the gym, and he would never say a word. He wouldn't say anything. And every morning, the man telling the story said, would go to him and said, Hey, it's good to see you today. Twenty years later, they met, I'm not sure, was it a reunion? But it was, it, was a, it was an occasion where they met. And the boy that wouldn't talk 
was there with his wife and his children. He had a family. And he recognized the other person, the, 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 the man that was always nice to him, that said, it's good to see you today. And he told him that, it, that that made a big difference. And the only reason he would come down to the gym every day is to hear him say, it's good to see you today. He was an adopted boy and he was from a bad, he had a bad home life. He didn't, he, he didn't get many words of affirmation, but he came to the gym to hear those kind words every day. That was the only reason he came to the gym. He found this out 20 years later. I would like to challenge us this morning to understand what our words are and how they can make a difference to the, in, in the lives of the people around us. And... Um, to allow God to reach inside of us and make the changes there that need to be done in order to change our words. Let's kneel for a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we had to gather together like this this morning to look into your word and to look at your teaching on on how we should talk to each other or about each other or with each other. We thank you for your for the redemption, for the plan of salvation that you provided through the sacrifice. We thank you for the sacrifice that you you made with your own life so that we can be a redeemed people. And we ask that you go with us as we go from here. Help us to allow you to make a difference in our lives and um, help us to be the change in ourselves that we would like to see in, in the world around us and in, in the situations around us. I ask that you would bless Todd this morning where he is. I just pray that you would be in there, guide them with your spirit as well, and that um, your will could be accomplished there. I ask you fears and blessings in your name according to your will. Amen.